everyone, and welcome to Full Stack Health, the podcast exploring mental and physical health in the tech industry. I'm Amberly, And I'm Kurt. In our last episode, we talked about burnout with Mick Bilikonsky and Dr. Mimi Winsberg. In this episode, we'll be diving into our own experiences with burnout and then chatting with two other tech folks about their personal experiences with burnout. So, Kurt, what has your experience been with burnout? So I've actually dealt with burnout a multitude of times, uh, even just since I've been in tech. I, I dealt with burnout before tech as well. I didn't really know what that was or like have a term for it, but I'm really just going to focus on um, technology. So uh, for me, uh, I can think of like three direct times where I hit burnout really hard. So the first one was at my first, I guess, like what I'll call major um uh, development job, like the first one in New York City, you know, working for this agency and they're like doing all these e-commerce sites and and uh, like blogs and stuff like that. But it was really terrible. It was like a developer mill, like, you know, people would come in and get worked into the ground until they couldn't take it anymore and then they would leave. So I worked there for about a year and I just like couldn't uh, cope with it anymore. It was really bad. I was commuting almost two hours each way to work uh, and then working like eight to 10, sometimes 12 hour days. So it was just like extremely physically draining as well as mentally. Uh, and I just remember just like hating the idea of, of sitting down in front of a computer and writing code. Uh, it's funny. I, uh, this time I still had like an interest of things outside of work, but anything that was work related just felt like, such um, like a terrible thing to be doing. So, you know, at that time also, I didn't really know it was burnout or how to deal with it. So I actually just switched jobs. Like I, I found, I started looking for new jobs and I found a new job. And it's interesting because it took me so long to ramp up at that second job. And what I realized now and didn't then was that like, really, I was still affected from burnout and it took me a little while to get over that. Um, most recently I got burnout in a different way, not from writing code, but, uh, when I was at major league soccer, I was working as, uh, engineering manager, like tech lead on the UI team. And there was a lot of, uh, they were internalizing tech, uh, at MLS at the time. And, uh, so there was like a lot of processes in place that were counterproductive to, uh, internalizing the tech and, and like building an engineering team, like a lot of practices that just didn't fit with, uh, the way work is done a, a lot of times this day and age. So like from that standpoint, I wasn't, I didn't get burnout on the code, but I actually did just get burnout on like constantly having to like battle and fight for the engineering team just to get like good processes in place. It was uh, very draining. And while I feel like I was super successful in it, uh, it just like, definitely took its toll. And that affected me a lot more than I thought. And actually after that, I, I went to Gatsby, but I, I like slipped into a really big um, bout of depression through 2018. And I think like a lot of what kicked that off was that uh, burnout. And so, yeah, it was just, you know, those are my most recent, um, I guess, or like biggest experiences with it. I've hit like micro burnouts as well, where I just have to like take a couple days and, and not look at a computer. But those two had like serious impact on me. Uh, you know, so like, what about you? Have you, have you really experienced like some heavy burnout? 
Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that there are three three main times that you've hit it because for me there are three main times that I can think of also. Um, and it was funny to talk to Mimi about, um, you know, she said evaluating whether um, something else is at the at the root of what's manifesting as burnout uh, is what she considers. Like I consider two of the three in hindsight to be almost complete, almost 100% associated with depression rather than like workplace burnout related. Um, You know, not, um, not caused by work stress. Like I was actually, I think pretty, pretty lucky to be at the, in the positions that I was in at the time when it was happening. Um, But one of them though was definitely one definitely work-related. I was managing clients and client projects at an agency and the demands were nonstop. The emails were nonstop. The stress was nonstop. Um, And at the time I had done some web development on my own. Like I had built static sites and managed WordPress sites and all that at a nonprofit beforehand. But I didn't really have any engineering experience. And so I was constantly put in like in hindsight, what are like terrible situations where I was responsible for handling, making decisions and handling situations that like I was really ill-equipped to handle. Um, and not to go into details, but that was absolutely the most, the most stressful work experience I've ever had. And I would literally go to sleep and like, I don't, I don't normally dream. I don't know if that's weird, but I don't really have dreams that I remember. And through that time working at this place, I would dream almost every night and I would dream a normal work day. It was like, I would go to work and have a work day. And then at night I would go to sleep and I would have a work day and I would wake up and do it all over again. And it wasn't anything like, oh, the client turned into a monster. And then, (laughs) you know, like some kind of fantastical like dream sequence. Yeah, It was literally just dreaming a work day and then going to work. Um, <laughs> so it just, it just felt like I, it felt like I did nothing else for a year. Um, and so it was, it happened to be during that experience that I decided I wanted to do a code boot camp because I didn't want to manage projects. I wanted to build things. Um, and I ended up so desperate to leave that I actually gave notice six months earlier than I had planned to. I planned to like pick up restaurant work, uh, while I was prepping for the boot camp. And they convinced me to stay, which lasted about three months. Uh, and then I gave notice again <laughs> uh, and then just focused on moving and preparing for the boot camp. But yeah, those, those are, those are kind of my, my main experiences with, I don't, don't feel like it's probably useful to talk about my, the other two that are more depression related, but that's my work related one. Um, and it's funny because I haven't really experienced burnout in the tech industry per se, like post doing the boot camp, doing dev, 100% dev jobs. Um, I feel like I've been really lucky so far to work at places that have a good, good balance. Um, but to me, uh, we're going to talk about experiences burnout and then signs and symptoms in hindsight, since we've experienced it, that kind of warn that we're dealing with burnout or getting burnt out. Um, I noticed that when it's depression related, uh, 
that manifests in needing to be alone a lot more. Um, like when I was going through a depressive episode a couple years ago while I was working in tech, um, and I was actually working remotely for a team that was mostly on site. Um, I would just have to lie down for like five minutes in the middle of my work day just to keep going. Um, and just being more reclusive and not wanting, you know, the whole thing about like, do you not enjoy the things that you used to love? And it's, yeah, you just don't want to do anything you used to really like to do, um, or spend time with folks. And then knowing things are on my to-do list that are totally doable, but just not being able to bring myself to do them. Like it's just, it's a huge effort to get anything done. Um, but then when it's work related, the signs for that, <laughs> just being that my main experience was that one with the agency, I would say dreaming about work apparently. Yeah. Um, and just zero energy or motivation for work, which bleeds into zero energy or motivation for things outside of work. It's nice for you that you were able to still keep some energy and motivation for things outside of work, but I definitely, definitely did not experience that. Um, zero personal investment in what's happening at work or the outcome of what's happening at work, but at the same time, just feeling this totally disproportionate level of stress and anxiety about what's going on around you and just no, no rest, like no downturns in that. It's just constant. Um, but are there for you, are there any particular signs or symptoms that sort of warn you that you're either getting burned out or that you're already like totally burned out? Yeah. A hundred percent. And it's funny. Cause like, while I did, I, while I was able to maintain some energy for things outside of work, like I do notice that when I am starting to burn out, I like, I have a hard time, like you said, like executing on anything. And then that starts to transfer over to my life as well, because I'm so, I get so burnt out and then I get anxious, right? Like, especially if like work is piling up and I need to get things done, but I keep putting it off. Uh, cause I'm having a hard time executing, then that's all I can think about. And th so then at that point it's almost like anxiety. Right. And so then I, it starts to affect everything. I'm like, Oh, I need to work. Like I can't do this stuff at home. And then I just end up doing none. Like I'm not doing the stuff I should be doing at home and I'm not doing my work. Um, yeah, so it that is definitely, like this, it becomes like this guilt driven, vicious cycle. Yes. Almost. Yes. hundred percent. It's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. And so then you just get stuck in this cycle where you just can't move almost. Right. Uh, so I do notice that. I also notice that when I start to get burned out, like just the, my attention span, uh, the time of that starts to drop. Whereas like when I'm good and in a good place, you know, if I'm really working on something, uh, I can probably be there for a few hours, right. Without really any distractions. Uh, but when I'm starting to burn out, like I'm on Twitter a lot more or I'm watching YouTube videos about programming instead of actually programming, um, you know, and like I'll start to procrastinate. So that's also another sign. Uh, and as far as when I'm in burnout, for me, that is really just like when I just dread being in front of my computer. And sometimes, you know, when it's real severe, that might be doing anything. Um, but it, sometimes it might just be work-related stuff that I'm burnt out on. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, just like once I know, like generally that's what happens. Like I don't catch, it's easy to like hindsight is twenty twenty. It's easy mm-hmm. to look back and say, these are the symptoms, but I'm not that great at catching them all the time because I mm-hmm. have had burnout multiple times, which means I tend to get into it before I even notice. You're like, you're too close to even see it. Yeah. Yeah. So really once I know I stop executing on things and I'm not really in front of my computer or if I am, I'm not like actually working, um, Mm -hmm. then it's time. And so what I do is like, once I catch that, um, there's like a couple things that I try to do. Like one, if I feel like I'm sliding into burnout and then things I'll do if I'm in burnout. So if I'm already in burnout, uh, and like I catch it and I notice it, I do two things. One is like, I try and like either take a couple personal days or something that like takes the pressure off. Um, so I don't have to do it. I don't have to focus on anything. And I try to fill my time with something completely separate. Uh, and that tends to help a decent amount, but like, I have to be careful cause I tend to like look at burnout as like a pendulum, right? Like you really want like almost no swing. So you're like not burned out. And then you're also not, not doing anything that you're supposed to because you're burned out. So you don't want to like touch computers for months. Um, so I, it's like hard. I try to find that balance. Uh, so like what I do to do that is like start with little tasks. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to like clean out my email. Like, you know, it's something that like I just go through, delete old emails, respond to things. It's just like little actions. So then I'll make like a to-do list that has like a couple little things and a bigger thing. And most people will tackle the big thing first and do the little ones. But when I'm like this, I do the little ones. And that kind of like gets the ball rolling. It's like that saying, like, don't wait for the motivation, just move and the motivation will follow. Um, So I kind of like try to, you know, use that uh, and and just take like baby steps getting back into it, trying it back in full swing. Uh, Mm -hmm. Other things I do to avoid it is like I've really focused on work-life balance and like managing my time and having things that I do outside of work. So I used to like code for fun a lot, side projects and stuff, but I really don't anymore. Um, I, I do a couple like to learn or, or, or get deeper, or maybe experiment with a new technology. But like when I'm not uh, coding for work, I'm generally doing something with a family or like working out or skateboarding or like something that you know takes me away from a computer for a while. Um, what about you? What do you do when you're hitting burnout? I think very similar, you know, if you notice that you're getting into that cycle, um, just find any way that you can get some distance and reflect and try to focus on things that matter outside of whatever's, whatever you're burning out on. Uh, most cases when we talk about burnout, it's work related, but you know, really whatever, whatever's burning you out. Um, And then sort of adjacent to what you were talking about, about to-do lists, like reflecting and reevaluating your goals. Like if you're not in a good place um, and you're setting goals for yourself that are like more aligned with when you're firing on all cylinders and sort of operating at your best, then you're going to set yourself up to feel disappointed with what you accomplish. So... Uh, you know, reflecting on the goals that you're setting for yourself and the things that you're trying to get done and taking stock and um, making maybe more 
creating more accessible goals. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's a really, really good way to um, like look at that approach. Yeah, because if you if you set it too high, then no matter how hard you work or how much you're trying to pull yourself out of it, if you always feel like you're failing, like I know that's never going to help me get out of it. Um, so like you said, starting with the, the t- couple of t- tiny things on your to-do list um, just to get that momentum rolling. It's sort of the opposite side of the same coin. It's sort of what you almost exactly like what you were talking about. Um, and then in the case of being like 100% fully burned out, um, like in this case, when it was a work situation for me, like in that case, luckily I was in a, in a place where I had the flexibility to quit and in hindsight, still thinking about it, I really don't know what I, what I would have done differently. I don't think there's anything I would have done differently. Uh, it was just truly a damaging environment. Um, and despite trying to work to change some of the, you know, factors in that setting that were causing that damage, you know, nothing was changing or getting better. And I I don't think that anyone should jump to quitting, but I don't think it should be stigmatized either. Like sometimes after you've tried everything, that's, that's sometimes really all there, all that's left. Um, yeah. Yeah, sometimes you need a new environment. You need to take yourself out of that environment. I mean, it helped me in my first time, like I was talking about. When I was at that one agency, it was it was bad. And like, again, I don't know what I could have done there that would have made it much better other than leaving. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's not it's not that I didn't try or it's not that you didn't try. And uh, one year seems like the magic number for that stuff. Like, I feel like when I you said a year and for me at this agency, it was a year and I feel like when most people talk about it, it tends to be like a year, <laughs> but that seems yeah. to be like the max. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think cause for me at least I was like, Oh my God, like I've been here a year. Do I want to do another year of this? That's what I mm-hmm. asked myself. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's what I would say about when it's like work related or like related to what's around you. But Again, I really think two of my biggest burnout phases, I really mostly attribute to depression. So in that case, you know, getting the help and support that you need, like I got through some of those burnout periods that I now attribute to depression um, on my own without getting help. But I do a lot better now that I have more help in managing it and that I'm more aware of it. Um, so, you know, not being like, oh, you know, I can bowl through this and get through it on my own. It'll be harder. It'll take a lot longer. You can, you can maybe do it, but it's good. It's good to get, to get help for that. And I, I definitely benefit from that. So that's what I would say in terms of, uh, handling, dealing with burnout or getting burned out. So well, uh, let's dive into our chats with, uh, first we'll be talking to Taylor Alexis, who is a front-end engineer, technical content creator, and keynote speaker. She also founded Code Every Day, which is an online platform that provides developers with access to learning resources, mentorship opportunities, and job opportunities. 
After that, we'll talk with Lee Warwick, a web developer and co-host of the Tech Junior podcast. Before pursuing a career in web development, he was a, a firefighter, a paramedic, and critical care nurse. Also, just to note, uh, we talk about some of the stresses from his earlier careers, including interactions with patients, talking about hospice, uh, and a couple other things. Uh, it's nothing graphic, but just letting you know, it does get a little heavy for a second, but you should enjoy it all the same. Yeah. All right. We're really excited to talk to them. So let's let's hear, first hear from Taylor. All right. Awesome. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Taylor. Was there anything that you wanted to add to that intro? I'll be giving a free webinar on Intro to Gatsby, where I'll also be providing accessibility tips and tricks along the way so they can sign up on codeeveryday.io to stay tuned for the update on that. Awesome. That sounds really cool. I'm going to sign up as well. <laughs> I'm personally very excited for that. Yeah. That's awesome. awesome. I always need the accessibility tips. That's like an area that's a little lacking for me. <laughs> yeah, that's a topic I've become like very passionate about um, over time. And I've been uh, giving a lot of talks on it, on improving like the accessibility of like your React apps and a little bit in um, React Native as well. So very cool. I've seen a lot of that on Twitter, you talking about that and a lot of the stuff that you're putting out. How did you get uh, interested in that? Into accessibility? Yeah, I'm always curious. Um, so there was this woman that I met, um, at my first tech conference that I attended and that was Cascadia JS, um, in Seattle and it was last November. And I met this woman named Marcy Sutton, um, who's the, you know, <laughs> the head of learning at Gatsby and, um, uh, my coworker on, on my team. <laughs> um, I thought she was like really, really cool. Like she just like embraced me because, um, uh, I was giving like a talk. Well, I was part of someone else's talk. And the person, uh, Glenn Block, he was giving a, a presentation on mentorship, and he had invited me on stage on stage to uh, give a, I guess like a background on how I got into tech um, as a way to inspire people. And then like after I got off the stage, like she like hugged me and she was like so nice, and I was like, oh wow. And um, I learned like more about what she was doing, and that's how I was introduced to developer advocacy and um, accessibility was from her. Um, and she explained like what she was doing. And I was like, oh, this is something I could really be interested in. Um, number one, with developer advocacy, I was very interested in being able to like create content for a living that could like help people. Um, especially like, for instance, if I were to like try to like, work for like a product or something and um, my goal would to be like to help other developers use that tool well um, and being able to like improve like documentation. And I was like, oh, okay, this sounds like really, really cool. And then the accessibility part, I was um, I became interested in that because I've always kind of wanted to combine like my love for like human rights with like tech in a way. And so being able to kind of um, advocate for like users who have disabilities, um, that became like a strong interest for me. And so uh, that's what I've been like studying and like, you know, just improving and getting better at. Um, and there's like a bunch of people that I follow on Twitter. Um, one name like Codeability or EJ Mason. Um, mm -hmm. He... Like they always uh, give like a lot of like really good advice on uh, accessibility and like how you can improve that. There's also of course Marcy Sutton. Um, the other names are escaping me right now. Oh, and there's also Tatiana Mack. Um, she's really really cool. Um, I love the way she tweets. Uh, she's very poetic <laughs> as she like you know provides like her like thoughts and opinions and everything. And so um, 
that's how I got into it was um, through following people and seeing like what they were doing and, you know, also how kind they were. Um, that really was very, um, it made it seem very like inviting, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Everything you said makes my heart sing. Agree with everything you've said. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, switching gears just a little bit, and uh, as we're talking about Twitter, something else is I believe uh, recently I saw you tweet out um, that you were uh, like burned out, like maybe <laughs> just a little bit, but you were like, oh, I think I'm hitting burnout. So that was like a great lead into our, our topic. And I was just wondering if you would mind telling us a little bit about your experience with burnout. So my experience with burnout, um, it's a very interesting relationship. <laughs> uh, okay. It all started like when it, um, like when I started learning how to code. And when I was learning how to code, that was back in like 2017. I would say about like mid 2017 is when I really started like learning how to code or web development. And um, I was balancing like working like full time in um, retail and fast food. And then like I would go home and you know, after that eight hour shift, I would be spending like another eight hours, like literally just studying and just taking courses and doing tutorials and everything. And because I took the self-taught route, like I didn't have the structure of like a boot camp or a CS curriculum, you know, I was forming like my own curriculum in a way. And I didn't know what I was doing because I had like no exposure to computer science when I was like, you know, at any age at all. So I was like 21 months learning this. I did not know anything. I was like, oh gosh, I don't even know where to start. And so I just kept like taking all these like different courses and tutorials and I was kind of like just finding my way through. And, um, you know, I, yeah, I hit burnout like straight up um, because I was so hungry and like driven, you know, to, to like transition into like a different career because I was so tired of like where I was. And, um, you know, I just became like so passionate <laughs> about hitting that goal yeah. and about like building up those projects and everything. And I'm like, Oh gosh. And then like being self-taught, it's like, I gotta, I have to have like a thought, you know, a solid portfolio and everything and um, having like good resume, but like, how can I have a good resume when I have like no experience. Right. And so that's when <laughs> uh, I took on like an unpaid internship on top of that. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. And um, you know, it was like unpaid internship. It was like in downtown Orlando, um, Florida. And um, it was like for a, I think it was a nonprofit or something. It was some kind of like marketing agency. And um, so I was trying to like balance that. I'm trying to get that experience and everything. And I was also um, a fatal flaw, which I want to like point out to people, especially those who are like new um, to coding is that I would compare my journey to others, like on Twitter and everything. I would see like, oh, this person got a job, you know, like why couldn't I get a job like mm-hmm. in two months or three months, you know? Um, Maybe I'm not working like hard enough, you know? And so um, being like hard on myself and uh, not allow myself to like be human and take breaks, like that's what led to burnout. Um, And it led to me like hating the idea of even like opening up like my sublime editor, you know? And it made me, yeah, you know, I was like, I don't want to like learn anymore. I don't want to create another function. Like, and it's taken like months to actually get rid of that. and so uh, I had burnout again <laughs> um, recently because um, I've been like freelancing and like I have like, um, I guess like more time like in my schedule. So like I kind of like overdid it by um, like over committing to like uh, conference talks. And like it was just so stressful as like a freelancer, like being able to like afford to even go to conferences, especially like the ones like where they wouldn't, um, they don't provide like travel or 
like lodge whatever. So I'm trying to like, you know, find different clients. You know what I mean? I'm trying to like get like different projects done so then I can, um, you know, be able to like afford to go to these conferences and everything. So like that's what led to like burnout because I just kept like, kept forcing myself and pushing myself. But like, um, I realized like in a way um, that drive is a really good thing, but I just have to just like learn how to like learn like that solid balance, you know, and like not to like overdo it. Um, because like that's, you know, like the initiative that I have and the ambition that I have, like that's, you know, those are great things. I just have to learn how to not, um, I guess, uh, how would I put it? I guess I have to like learn to like take my self-care like more seriously. Right. So that's the, um, balance. Yeah. Sometimes the, the drive, you know, is just so motivating, uh, that it gets hard, right? Like you kind of get blinders on and it's all you can see for a while. You get, just get so zeroed in and focused. Um, yeah, I had a very non-traditional background as well. Uh, and so, yeah, it was just super overwhelming in the beginning. I actually forgot about that cause it's been so long, but yeah, I used to be like, man, you know, uh, JavaScript fatigue, right. That's what they call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you explain more about the JavaScript fixing, um, like with like learning like the different frameworks or something or? Yeah, pretty much it. It's just, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, there was, I guess, like a renaissance in the JavaScript community, especially once it was, you were able to use it with Node. Yeah. Uh, and then people started like writing, uh, you know, more heavy frameworks, right? Like the client side became really heavy uh, instead of doing a lot of the work on the server. And like that just, you know, just increased the complexity and like React and Vue and like even right. Angular and Angular V2 and then all these other libraries. And now you also have to learn how to write server with JavaScript or IoT devices. And so like people would just get overwhelmed because it's like you didn't know where to focus, like unless you had someone, like you said, like to guide you or a curriculum. Uh, it would just be an explosion of like, you know, JavaScript. And as someone who's unfamiliar with the industry, you don't know like what what's just like hot because it's like cool or like, or like what should I actually be focusing? What are people using day to day? So it was just uh, a term people called JavaScript fatigue. But really to me, it was just like burnout. It was just like, I'm trying to learn too much and I'm burning out. That is, yeah, that's web development to a T. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's definitely web development. Um, yeah, I found myself doing that. Um, like when I was like learning how to code, I was... Uh, I was so lost. I was like, oh gosh, I should like learn like Angular and Vue. And like, well, because I had to like learn Angular for like an interview and I was like, I should probably learn that, right? Then I'm thinking like, I have to like learn like React to get better with that because that's popular. Then there's Vue coming up and I'm like, oh no. And now I hear like Ember or something and I'm just like, ah. So um, yeah, I definitely get that for sure. Um, And that even came like also like even outside of JavaScript, I was like trying to learn like other languages because I was like, oh, maybe I should make myself like more marketable. Like that yeah. was, you know, and I, yeah, now I've, I've stuck with JavaScript. <laughs> I, mean, I would probably like learn like Python on the side maybe, but yeah, mainly, I'm mainly JavaScript. And then like, I've been using like, a lot of like React. Um, but getting back to burnout, we could talk about so many things for so long. Yeah, I wish sorry. we had <laughs> so, so much longer to talk, but getting back to burnout, um, you started talking about this a little bit uh, earlier, but um you know, you mentioned not wanting to open up your code editor and stuff like that. Are there any, are there other particular signs and symptoms that warn you that you're on your way to getting burned out or that you're fully burned out? Oy. Um, when all you can think about is like, um, how you need to code, but like you think of it in a negative way. Um, like when you're like, just, um, I, cause I noticed like with my friends or whatever, um, 
we could just be like having like coffee or something and like all they can think about is uh like how like they have to code and everything and because like there's certain deadlines they have to meet and like there's like the pressure and everything um that's definitely a sign of burnout for sure um just like when you feel like anxious um about coding and everything um when you dread the idea of coding uh those are definitely like big signs that you need to take a break. Um, and when you get like overload of like information, when you like study and like research like too much and you're learning so many different like technical concepts and you're trying to like grasp and consume it all, um, you know, that doesn't work for everyone. Um, and you should really like start to like, you know, pace yourself um, for sure. And um, also like, I think a key thing to like um, know or to like have is, um, like effective time management being able to like manage your time is like really really important and and if you're not able to if you just kind of like operate like out of like spontaneity like um and without any kind of like order or organization in your mind like um that could lead to you um like overdoing it for sure so you actually just touched on this a little bit uh but would you have any other advice um aside from that that maybe uh, you want to give to people who are either struggling with burnout or, you know, think they might be experiencing burnout? So my advice for people who may be experiencing burnout, um, number one is to uh, take a break. Um, It's always a good thing to kind of like relax and try to like heal mentally. Um, Because when you're taking in a lot of information or you're overdoing something, um, it can lead to almost hating it really. And so a best way to like kind of avoid that is by taking breaks frequently um, from coding, like if you're, um, for example, uh, if you are taking a course and you're going through lessons, um, don't set a goal of going through 20 lessons. Like if you're going through like the free code camp curriculum, for instance, <laughs> um, I've noticed people like on Twitter, um, who, you know, when they do like the hundred days of code challenge, like they'll set a goal of like, Oh, I want 20 lessons in a day or something like try not to do that because really, um, the point or the goal that you should really have is actually grasping that concept. So um, setting better goals, like, okay, I want to like learn more about big, big O notation or something. Um, Or I want to be able to uh, create a CRUD um, in pure JavaScript or something like that in a week or whatever. Um, Setting looser time, um, like looser goals, like looser time uh, deadlines, I guess. I don't know how to word that. Um, trying not to like uh, place so many uh, short deadlines on yourself when you're like learning a concept or when you're building a project is like also like really essential. So it allows you time to like be human because like we can't always just expect for you know ourselves to like wake up every day and like go back to that project we were working on, you know, um, or to go back to that course we were on or something. Uh, another way to avoid burnout is because I'm very experienced on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like um, another, I guess, a tip I could give is to um, have a good support system. Um, I think that's what I was like lacking um, is uh, having people who knew what I was going through um, and who I could talk to about it. Cause not everyone like kind of, you know, understood like, why I was like staring at a screen eight hours a day or, you know, mm-hmm. or six hours a day or whatever. Um, so having people who understand what you're going through, they don't have to be necessarily like also uh, coders, but 
just people who are just like understanding, willing to like listen, lend an ear, or you know. And so uh, that's those like my top three like tips um, for people on avoiding burnout or handling it. Yeah, those are great tips. Yeah, that's great. And that's, I agree. That's totally my number one is what you said uh, before about, you know, you meant, uh, you said two things that I think can be difficult to reconcile for people early on. You said about um, having like a, a structure for yourself and what you want to learn and like sort of goal setting, but then also not being like too stringent with your goals. So like yes. setting, setting goals, but then like not judging yourself so harshly based on, you know, where you land in uh, accomplishing those things. It's more about like, okay, this was the goal I set. And this was sort of, I was sort of off the mark in terms of what I thought I could accomplish. And this is actually what I got done. So instead of being mad at myself, I'm going to like take that information and reflect and sort of move the goalposts and like, um, make a new plan that maybe is just based on information. Now you have more information about the amount of time it takes you or where you are in your learning. Um, so being focused on, like you said, like 20 lessons a day, um, versus taking in that new information and changing your expectations of yourself and constantly reevaluating your goals based on what's going on. Um, that's, that's exactly how I think of that. I think that's great advice. Thank you. Um, well, thank you so much for talking uh, to us about about this topic. I think this resonates with a lot a lot of people. Is there uh, any anything you want to share in closing before we wrap up? Um, I never compare your journey to other people. Um, like, there's no way that you can uh, replicate someone else's success or their journey. And um, any obstacles that you are going through right now, um, they're really, like, when you, like, look back on them, because you will get past those, like, obstacles. When you, like, look back, you'll, like, smile and you'll be so happy that you, like, survived and you went through it. So if you go through periods of, like, burnout, um, if you have anxiety about, like, technical interviews or about learning, like, a programming language, just know that you're not alone and that you'll get through it. So um, that's what I want to leave people with. That is great advice to end on. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Taylor. All right, so thanks for joining us, Lee. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. And before we get started, would you like to take a moment and uh, introduce yourself any further? Or do you have anything you want to add? Um, not, not much to add. Uh, like you guys said, I'm a, a firefighter, paramedic nurse, um, that became a developer. So I did that for, uh, about seven or eight years before getting into the de uh, development and then kind of have dealt with burnout there and also as a developer and have tried to learn some lessons from it. Yeah. I forget where we, uh, where you and I, you and I connected with your podcast, the Tech Junior podcast, um, but I can't remember why initially we started talking about burnout, and I thought it was so interesting, your experience and your sort of pre-dev life that you had um, with burnout, because it's so prevalent in the healthcare industry. Yeah, I think um, you mentioned it in passing when you were talking about uh, this show, 
And um, it's something that's very important to me because I feel like it's something that I constantly have to check myself for. And I just really saw a lot of, you know, lives kind of go south because of things that I guess could have been preventable. Um, maybe if family had checked in or if the person had been kind of um, self-aware enough to, to say like, whoa, maybe I should kind of stop what I'm doing and take a look at my situation and kind of feel out where I'm really at emotionally and, and kind of physically. So uh, I think there's, there's a lot of exploration that kind of needs to be done in this space because people just kind of, oh yeah, whatever, I, I can deal with it, I'm tough, you know, and they kind of brush it off. So I, I really want to kind of fight that as much as possible. Yeah, the whole I'm tough, I can handle it is it's a tough thing to fight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, notoriously, firemen are, are all, you know, there's a lot of ego involved. So uh, they're, they're big, tough guys. They run into burning buildings. They, mm -hmm. We go where you're scared to go kind of mentality. Uh, first mm -hmm. in, last out, all, all that stuff. So uh, when it comes to to talking about like stress and dealing with the job uh it, it's a it can be a really hard environment uh to find yourself in because there's so much like machismo involved um and sort of stigmatized to talk about yeah and, and they have uh, a lot of systems in place to deal with that but they're just so underutilized because of the attitudes that are involved so they've got like mm. you know cism um like stress debriefing type of uh, meetings that you're supposed to have whenever you run a Can really stressful call. CSIM for us really quickly. It's a, I believe it's critical incident stress management. If I'm oh, okay. remembering correctly, but basically it's just kind of a debriefing where everybody gets together and talks about it. And I mean, that kind of happens informally sometimes after a call, but a lot of times you just go back to the fire department, like, back to the station and you just kind of move on with your life and you certainly can't take it home and talk to your family about it because you're dealing with a lot of heavy things and you know that you can't bring that stuff home and, and talk about graphic details and kind yeah. of all that, all that stress because your family doesn't really want to hear it. And a lot of times they can't understand it. So it's very difficult. I actually, yeah, I, <laughs> my best friend is a, actually a police officer um and we have sort of that balance of like what he can talk to me about and what he can't talk to me about and there are certain things that like you can only talk to with other people who are dealing with the same thing or with a medical professional or um yeah friends and family in relation to that line of work it can be a tricky balance yeah definitely so um, when I was in the fire department and working as a nurse, uh, obviously there was a lot of stress involved, critical care, dealing with patients. Um, but then on top of that, like a lot of weird hours and not a lot of time to de-stress on shift mm -hmm. because like while you're clocked in, there's no period where you're like, okay, I'm safe. I, I don't have to worry about running a call or dealing with a patient or anything like that even when you would take a break, like to go to lunch as a nurse, uh, there was, you know, you had a, like a pager or a phone or something or a radio with you. And you were like constantly monitoring for somebody like, Oh man, things are going south. You need to come back. 
So it like long periods of kind of being uh, switched on or um, like fully alert is very difficult to deal with. Yeah, that's mentally and emotionally taxing, like just sort of existing at that level of awareness and sort of um, preparedness, I can imagine. Right. And so because of that, like, for instance, as a firefighter, when the tones go off in the station, you know, beep, 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 time to run a call, you can actually get like a real big jolt of adrenaline and you can, at least I could, I could taste it whenever the tones would drop. And so because of that sort of thing, like, you know, the tones can drop at any time, you know, all day, all night. Uh, a lot of firefighters struggle with sleep problems, um, struggle with heart disease. Uh, there's just a lot of ailments that kind of go along with that. And it's really hard to deal with that in that profession because they have stuff like <laughs> sayings like, uh, the fire department is 150 years of tradition impeded by progress and, and silly stuff like that. So <laughs> there's a whole culture around like, don't change, you know, keep doing what we're doing. But then at the same time, like we're dying and, you know, we're, we're in poor health because of it. So. Mm -hmm. Well, you've done quite, quite a lot of, quite a lot of things, firefighter, paramedic, critical care nurse. Um, can you tell us about, your various experiences with burnout? Yeah. So, I mean, I've had personal experience with it where I've been burned out myself. Um, and I know that I've got certain symptoms that manifest for me, but then as a whole, like the profession, I've worked with a lot of people that have been burned out. And so I kind of can see that in others. So just, you know, in general, uh, working as a nurse, sometimes you'd be taking care of patients and, uh, you'd get a patient that's like a retiree and they would have like back problems and alcoholism and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, sometimes you'd just say, Hey, what'd you do for a living? And they'd be a healthcare worker or something. So it's, it's very, um, it's very taxing. But then on top of that, you know, just your, your, your coworkers, uh, that are still working, you know, they would talk about, for instance, um, let's say they work night shift. Oh, okay, I'm going to get off, you know, shift at seven o'clock in the morning and then brag about, I'm going to go to the bar and drink, you know, a bottle of wine or something. And, you know, people would giggle or whatever, but, you know, to me, looking back on it, that seems very disturbing because, you know, you shouldn't have to deal with your job by going and drinking, but that's such a common thing, like self-medicating, uh, to deal with stress that it's just kind of brushed off. And, you know, that, that's terrible. I've done it myself. Like I get off shift and then go have a beer or something. And that's, it's not a good practice to be in. Um, aside from that, I've seen a lot of anger and frustration and kind of outbursts from coworkers. So um, working in the hospital, for instance, uh, people would deal with a lot of difficult patients and you know, on top of that, you'd kind of get it in both directions. So you'd be dealing with a difficult patient, but then have to deal with medical staff or the patient's family. Uh, so like doctors yelling at you about, you know, medications being overdue or, or something. And, you know, you're, you're busy with other patients that are very demanding. So there's, there's a lot of um, getting pulled in different directions. 
And so you would see people like going into the, the medication room, which is just a locked, quiet environment and just like crying or screaming or cussing or, you know, all, all sorts of things like that. Um, and also you would see people mistreat patients, cuss at patients, um, neglect them, uh, things like that, because they could not like mentally deal with it any longer. They had to get away from it. But you can't because you're on a 12-hour shift. And so you, it's like, do you say uh, fake an illness and say like, oh, I'm sick, I need to go home? Or do you just like confront your boss? I can't deal with this anymore. I need a new patient. It, it's really hard to deal with that. And, and you, you kind of can't get away from it. So it manifests in mm-hmm. all kinds of, of ways. And I, I even experienced it myself uh, with difficult patients where, you know, they would insult you when you're in the room. Um, so for instance, as an ICU nurse, we would have a one or two patients for the entire 12 hours and you're constantly interacting with them, taking care of them. And if that patient was not in perfect mental health, uh, let's say they had dementia or Alzheimer's or, um, any kind of ailment like that, they could potentially be abusive towards you. And, you know, you kind of have to deal with that. So, um, patients that would scream and cuss at me, try and hit me, bite me, scratch me, uh, would be non-compliant with medications, refuse to take, you know, critical meds. Uh, I couldn't tell you how many times I've had to dogpile a patient to like keep them from hurting us or themselves. Um, using restraints, chemical restraints, all that stuff is super, super stressful. And so, you know, I just, I see a lot of people take that stuff home and I've taken it home myself. So it's, it's just a really difficult thing to deal with. Um, as far as my personal struggles with burnout, uh, the way that it kind of has manifested for me is that I will withdraw from my family and friends and just kind of like tell them, Oh, I just need to stay home and, and kind of recharge and just isolate myself basically. And that could be, you know, watching movies all day or playing video games or reading a book or or whatever, but just getting away from society and not participating in life, basically. Um, So I missed a lot of holidays. I missed a lot of family functions, hanging out with friends for a lot of years, just and not even realizing it uh, because I was so worn out from my job. Um, also, like I said before, I, I would drink, uh, not heavily, but regularly, um, which is, you know, that's still alcoholism. So, uh, would self-medicate with, with alcohol. Um, and then aside from that, I, you know, I would bring that stress home and I would become short tempered with my family. Uh, I would, I guess really I would take it out on them. And, um, it took a lot of years before I realized like, this is not a healthy situation for me and I'm no longer dealing with this appropriately. And then I had to realize like, I can't do this job anymore, basically. Um, how, so we've talked mostly about your experience with burnout, uh, in the healthcare area. Um, but do you also, you also have experience with burnout in the tech area and what was that like and I guess sort of how does it compare yeah um as developers uh I think that we we love technology um at least most of us right 
Otherwise, we wouldn't be here in this field. And because it's such a, a skill that you can use for whatever interests you, it's so um, malleable right, to your interests, um, you can find yourself doing it all the time. Uh, so as a fireman, like, yes, we train at work um, as, a, as a nurse. Yes, we practice medicine. But at home, like you're just a person, right? You're you're nothing without your tools and your equipment, your you know gloves, anything like that. So you can't really take those skills and that passion and transfer it into your uh, your off duty time. Um, certainly, there's conventions and stuff that people go to, but in general, like y- your work is work, and then family life is family life. For developers, like that is blended, right? So like working from home, um, anywhere that you have your laptop, like, is there even such a thing as a sick day for a developer? Like, unless you're physically so ill that you can't open a computer and type, you know, you're, you're just going to keep working, um, sniffles or not. So, um, as a developer, like I have a lot of interest, uh, run a meetup, I have my own podcast, um, I have my own side projects that I love to do. I like to blog. And so what ends up happening is that I'll work all day and they're like, oh, great. Now I have free time. And then in my free time, I'll continue to work, but just on my own personal stuff. And so I've gotten into this pattern of working too much and finding it difficult to stop working and difficult to take time and do something frivolous, like play a video game, watch a movie, whatever, uh, spend time with my family. And so it's become a, a difficult balance of like, how do I continue to be productive and do all the things that I want to do and that are important to me, but also take care of myself mentally and physically and find time to spend with my family, relax, do something non-productive. It, it becomes kind of like a little insidious because you, you're just doing you know what you like to do, which is be productive, like writing a blog post. So for instance, this weekend I spent, I don't know how many hours working on my Gatsby site, right? And I would write the post, I would start debugging things, and then before I know it, the whole day is gone. So, you know, to my family, that's not really fair. And it, it becomes very difficult to kind of scope, hey, I should only spend so much time on this, and then I should, you know, give it a rest for a while. Yeah, I mean, I also struggle with trying to find the right balance between uh, separating work and making, you know, enough time for family and then also for myself. Um, So just kind of on that note, do you have any advice that you would give to someone who's maybe struggling with burnout or uh, trying to, you know, climb their way out of it? Yeah, so um, the probably the biggest thing that I could think of is that you should listen to the people that are around you telling you hey, Lee, you're acting X, Y, or Z, you're different, you're aggravated, what's going on? You know, those people are going to show up and say something um, unless you live in a vacuum or something, right? So take note of that advice that's coming in and take that moment to say, hey, what am I doing? And and is what I'm doing what I want to do? Or is this the life that I'm meaning to lead? Because, you know, like I said earlier, we all think that we're tough and that we're kind of, that's ah, not burnout. You know, I'm fine. I just need a break. I'll just take 10 minutes. 
you know, and, and sometimes it's a lot more than that. And knowing the difference is almost impossible in the moment. So when you've got somebody from the outside looking in and they can say like, Hey, you need to take a break. Uh, then it's, you should listen. And I have a hard time listening to that myself. Um, aside from that, I heard a really good quote once upon a time about burnout being a misalignment of what you're doing with your personal values. And that really resonated a lot with me because it's really difficult to do work that you don't find value in. And if for whatever reason you are not finding that, that drive to get something done, maybe it's time to do something else. Um, because doing something that you hate doing or that you don't want to do is a really quick path to burning yourself out on something. Was addressing that alignment what uh, prompted you to do your career pivot? It was, yeah. So um, working as a nurse, for instance, uh, there's a lot of drive to profit, basically, as hospitals uh, have a lot of administrators and there's a lot of bottom line talk in a hospital. And you wouldn't expect that or want that, I don't think. But the reality of it is like, for instance, as a nurse, you do a lot of charting. So recording vital signs and um, condition of the patient, things that you do. And we're kind of told that it's for liability and for good record keeping, uh, patient health and stuff. But really, a lot of that stuff is billing. Um, it's so that everything that you do can be itemized and billed to Medicare or the patient. So... Um, dealing with that kind of stress of like, I did this not to be a profit generator for this hospital. <clears throat> I became a nurse to help people. And when that doesn't line up, you know, in the actual job, it's really hard to not take that home. And so <clears throat> yeah, we had a, not to tell war stories, we had a patient come in that was elderly, came from a nursing home, end of his life not doing well, um, but he was having a heart attack. And the heart doctor was consulted by the emergency room doctor and said, you know, well, this person needs a heart cath, so go in and remove the blockage. And the heart doctor said, I'm not going to do it because the expectancy of surviving the procedure is not great. But the expectancy of surviving a heart attack with a blockage is like a hundred percent fatal. Right. So basically he said, well, it's going to mess up my numbers, so I'm not going to do it. And so we had to live with that and watch this person die in, in the ER, you know, and having to do that and work that patient, like doing CPR on him because we were trying to get a hold of family and explain and get permission to cease, you know, efforts to, to keep the person alive. De dealing with all that is very difficult. And I found myself in those situations over and over again. And because that was so misplaced and misaligned with my own values, I, I had to get out of it. Um, and so in between, you know, taking care of patients and stuff, I'd be typing on like free code camp or something. And uh, one time my boss came up and was like, Lee, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm trying to learn Python. She goes, oh, okay. And kind of had this confused look. And then she's like, well, Lee, you know, with nursing, you really got to want it. 
And I, I kind of internally said, Hey, I, I don't want this anymore. And, and I really took that and ran with it and got out of the profession entirely. And looking back on it, uh, I helped a lot of people and I, I saved some lives in some cases, but the cost was too great for me personally. Oh man. Wow. I, uh, I don't know. I, I almost sort of don't know what to say because I, you know, have never been a healthcare worker, uh, but I recently went through hospice with my grandfather. Um, and, you know, I can see the wonderful people who worked with us and were, you know, um, with him through that and, you know, see you in that and, I thought about it at the time that like, I, I can't imagine like emotionally going, going through that as, as part of your job, that emotional labor. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, the whole time we were going through that, I was just so grateful to the people who were helping us through that. And it was absolutely amazing to me. So that's, one of one of the only one of the only ways I can relate to that. Yeah, um, the people that work at at hospice are like saintly, in my opinion. They're uh, it's really hard to deal with that, and I had to deal with it a lot as an ICU nurse, um, telling families or communicating to them, "This is the status of your family member, and it's the outcome is not good. They're not going to make it right." And in some cases, like connecting with hospice and getting that patient to hospice or being with the family and, you know, deciding to stop treatment and let the patient pass away and being with the family in that mm -hmm. moment and having to do that, you know, twice in a day is very emotional as a healthcare provider. Um, and it, it's just, it's incredibly difficult to deal with that. So uh, I, I really respect um, nurses, healthcare workers, firemen uh, that have to deal with that stuff. And it it's just very important that you don't bring that stuff home. And, it, and it's so hard not to. Yeah. Uh, my, my brother is a ER doctor. So he goes through, you know, some similar situations and like, you can always start to tell when it, it's taking its toll and he needs to like take a vacation and take a break or get away. Um, but it's, it's just pretty interesting. Yeah. He also doesn't, you know, talk about anything really in much detail, but, um, it's always, uh, kind of like how you said, you know, listen to the people who are on the outside, um, cause it's easier for them to see. Like I can always tell when he's starting to get uh, pretty beat up. Uh, and ready for a break. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the doctors deal with a, a different kind of, uh, they have to deal with patients, obviously, but they have a different administrative toll that they have to pay. Um, see a, a certain number of patients or do a certain amount of procedures or comply with certain standards. And it, it, our, our healthcare system is, is in need of reform and we're, uh, we're kind of kicking the can down the road, you know, as we go by not stopping and kind of paying that, that I guess, technical debt for healthcare. I, I don't know. Well, thank you so much for 
sharing all of this with us. We really appreciate it. Um, is, is there anything before, before we end our chat that you'd like to, to make sure you share? Yeah. Um, firstly, if, if you feel, uh, like you're getting burned out or, you know, you, you maybe are associating with some of the things that I've talked about, uh, in this discussion, um, don't brush it off, sit down, look at what's going on, get help, talk to your family or friends or whoever it is that you think you can talk to and say, Hey, like, have I been X, Y, or Z lately? Have I been short with you or, you know, withdrawn or, or any of those things and just do what you can to deal with that stuff and don't ignore it. That That's a huge thing. Um, don't ignore those feelings. Um, aside from that, uh, I, I really, <laughs> nothing really stacks up to that. Um, t- take care of yourself at the end of the day. Take care of yourself at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, thank you again so much. Yeah. Th- thank you so much for having me on the show. Thanks so much again for joining us. We really, really appreciate you listening. And if you liked the episode, uh, we really hope you'll come back and join us again. Uh, And if you know someone who you think would enjoy listening, uh, we would love for you to send them the link so they can check it out as well. And thanks again to Taylor and Lee for joining us. We really enjoyed talking with you. And to thank them for their time, we'll be making small donations to an org of their choice. Taylor chose to support Juniors in Tech, a newsletter and job board for juniors in tech uh, or those aspiring to work in the industry. And Lee chose to support the Firefighter Cancer Support Network, which helps support firefighters and their families in dealing with cancer, which firefighters are at a higher risk of because of the toxins that they're exposed to. And we'll have links to both Juniors in Tech and the Firefighter Cancer Support Network in the show notes if you want to check them out. Thanks again so much for joining us, everyone, and be well. (laughs) 